Hello, and welcome to session number four of the Business Buying Masterclass, Business Brokers, our first guest edition. Thanks for following along, and let's dig in. Buying a business? Brace yourself for a reality check. You will almost certainly have to engage with business brokers. Here's why and how you can navigate these vital interactions. Business brokers are the gatekeepers of all that juicy cash flow you're chasing. That's why having the ability to foster productive relationships with brokers is critical to your search. The goal, in short, is to receive priority from brokers when attractive new businesses go to market. And if you don't, other buyers will. Despite this, many first-time buyers often fail to approach brokers diplomatically, are quick to criticize, and worse yet, sometimes get frustrated or even combative with brokers when things don't go smoothly. Listen, we get it. Business brokers can be frustrating to deal with at times. They come in varying levels of sophistication, deal experience, and approach. That's no reason, however, to neglect the relationships that are going to make or break your search. Remember the old saying about catching more flies with honey than vinegar? Our goal in today's session is to peel back the curtain and give you a glimpse into the wacky world of business brokering, providing you insights, tools, and tactics necessary to source high-quality businesses from brokers. In today's session, we bring you insights from two veteran and heavy-hitting business brokers, Clint Fiore and Ed Meisoglind. Welcome to the fourth session of this free business buying masterclass. Thanks for stopping by. Ed Meisoglind, the managing partner of Indiana Business Advisors, is a renowned business broker with a rich career spanning nearly three decades. Clint Fiore, the founder and CEO of the Texas-based Bison Business, is a dynamic business broker boasting a unique blend of entrepreneurial, executive leadership, and high-tech systems expertise. Mission Critical, Building Relationships with Brokers. To fully understand the value of fostering relationships with brokers, let's begin by unpacking the process that the average business broker will go through before ever listing a business on a publicly accessible marketplace like BizBuySell. Before paying a listing fee or dealing with potential time wasters on a public marketplace, brokers first promote the business through multiple avenues, including the following. First, direct outreach to ideal buyers and prior clients with relationships. Brokers will begin by sending deals to their prior clients, strategic buyers in the target company's industry, private equity funds in the space, or buyers with whom they've developed strong relationships and rapport. Number two, email outreach to buyers in the broker's general database. These databases are often comprised of thousands of buyers who have provided the broker with their search criteria. Number three, brokers will also reach out to other deal advisors in their network, such as brokers, attorneys, and CPAs, who often have access to additional buyers. And number four, direct marketing. Brokers will share the listing with other buyers through social networking sites, such as LinkedIn. This means that before you've even seen the listing on a website, the broker has used every other tool in their tool belt to try and sell the business. 
stated more directly, the vast majority of high quality businesses will be bought before you ever see them on a public marketplace or website. Thus, if you're only shopping listed businesses, you are way behind the field in terms of finding a great business to buy. Pro tip, we've seen many buyers acquire great businesses from the public marketplaces. So still, don't discount a business completely just because it's listed. But there's no question buyers that have relationships with brokers are going to get the cream of the crop. Everyone else, according to Ed, comes a distant second. So how does one go about building relationships with brokers? Step one, identify key brokers. This first step is arguably the most obvious, but you're not just identifying any brokers, you're identifying the right brokers. That means, according to Ed, you should be paying attention to who is doing deals in your target industry and geography. Google searches, asking for introductions and recommendations from other buyers, brokers, and others in the know, and other typical approaches will help lead you in the right direction. You can also go to www.ibba.org slash find a business broker, all hyphenated, and put in the type of business to find relevant brokers. Pro tip, according to Ed, some brokers will suggest that they are experts in all industries. You should avoid these brokers and focus instead on industry experts. Step number two, share your criteria and prove your capacity. If, you've, if you're following this masterclass, you'll know from session three, introduction to search, that establishing your criteria is a critical first step in any successful search. Critical to building relationships with brokers is not wasting their time. Yes, reading and exploring Sims is a great way to learn, but proceed with caution as, according to Clint, it can be very frustrating to brokers when they have to deal with a parade of tire kickers with no intention of following through. The best approach is one you never make. Know your criteria. Before approaching brokers, you should confirm that the business is within your size range, in an industry that you are interested in, and can either be operated remotely or that you're willing to move to the business's geographic location if necessary. It's crucial to begin by ensuring that the businesses you're inquiring about align with your search criteria. A mismatch can result in wasted time and efforts on both sides and hurt your reputation with brokers. Ed underscores that the best buyers have quick nose, have access to capital, and executable criteria. This means that brokers prefer dealing with decisive buyers who are ready and able to close deals efficiently. Further, don't ghost brokers. Tell them when it's a no. According to Clint, you can really stand out with a polite email the moment you decide to pass, letting the broker know you will not be pursuing the business and why, and thanking them for the information. This saves the broker time, gives them valuable feedback, and will move you up their mental list as a quality, honest buyer to work with. The best way to establish credibility with a broker, according to Ed, send them a deal tombstone, as this will demonstrate prior deals and your capacity to transact. Step three, be diplomatic. Treat your broker with respect. Be mindful of their time. Remember, bees like honey. According to Ed, brokers aren't created equally. 
Many deserve the criticism they receive. However, like any professional, do everything you can to avoid embarrassing them in front of their client. Use phrases like, I could see why you would do it that way, but when I do it, to push back with brokers. Clint further emphasizes that there are many types of business brokers, including franchise brokers, independent brokers, ones that work on smaller deals versus larger deals, varying levels of experience, age differences, real estate agents masquerading as business brokers, those with financial versus sales backgrounds, etc. All of these variables can create vastly different processes and experiences. Adapt to your circumstances. For example, with older brokers, you might want to pick up the phone or go meet them in person as quickly as possible, whereas with younger brokers, they might be okay with a text or Zoom or other electronic communications. Pro tip, real estate agents often attempt to sell businesses or dabble as a business broker. If you see that the broker also represents commercial or residential real estate, you will want to assume that they may not have the same financial vocabulary. For example, SDE or EBITDA, and that they'll prefer real estate style purchase contracts to LOIs. This can meet a headache for a buyer, especially one that's experienced with M&A. Additionally, brokers that work smaller deals often want to use templates for everything, while ones that work larger deals expect you to draft your own LOI and purchase agreement with proper M&A legal counsel. Look at the broker's other listings for clues. According to Clint, there's a lot of ways business brokers play this game, and for the best odds of success as a buyer, you need to be able to play the game their way. Don't butcher the NDA. We'll cover NDAs later, but in short, there are only a few key areas in an NDA that really matter. The rest is simple. Only use confidential information to receive for the purposes of the transaction. Don't shoot yourself in the foot with a broker by looking like a total pain and fighting excessively over an NDA. Review the SIM carefully. Brokers make mistakes, but be tactful in how you ask questions. Remember that SIM is their work product. And finally, don't treat the broker like an obstacle. According to Clint, many buyers treat the broker like a useless middleman and try to go around them to the seller. This is a great way to anger both the seller and the broker, especially if it's regarding price and other negotiation conversations. Further, if you do get the seller's contact information in the process and permission to contact them, try to only talk to them about operations and run the price, terms, and structuring negotiations through the broker. Pro tip, make friends with the broker early and use them to help you get your deal done. Try to get on the broker's proprietary list of buyers. According to Clint, the following are some great questions to ask a broker. Do you have anything else coming down the pipe that's not on your website yet that might be a good fit for me? Or how can I be sure I see new stuff you have coming to market as early as possible? Or even do you have an early notification list? If you've done well following the tips here and gained favor and rapport with a broker, even if you're passing on a deal, be sure to leverage that working relationship to get some hints, previews, and early access to future deals from them. Most brokers will have a system or process for this, or some hip pocket listings not on their website that you might be able to get in on. Step four, search intelligently. 
Most brokerages keep robust statistics on buyers. They know that local searchers are more likely to close on a transaction than geographically agnostic searchers. Look at the two charts below provided by Ed. Question, if you were a broker, how would you think about searchers based on these charts? For those of you listening to the audio podcast, you'll want to head over to the written installment to take a look at these charts. Chart one covers geography and breaks down the distance of buyers from the target company based on size of the deal. Deals less than half a million dollars, almost half of buyers live within 20 miles of the business. Less than 20% live outside of a 100-mile radius. Zoom up to the other end, greater than $5 million, 30% of buyers live within 20 miles, but now a full 46% of buyers are more than 100 miles away. So pay attention if you're a buyer and you live across the country and you're looking at a small half a million to million dollar deal, query whether your broker is taking you seriously. Chart number two breaks down size of business by the identity of the buyer. Are they a first-time buyer? Do Have they bought a business or own an existing business before? Are they a strategic buyer? Are they private equity? For deals less than half a million dollars here, well, over three-quarters of buyers are first-timers. Jump up to the other end of the spectrum, five million and greater, it's 4% are first-time buyers. Well over half are private equity buyers. Conclusions, the low-hanging fruit is to have a successful search, you should buy a business in a location that makes sense and in a size that is reasonable based on your experience and financial capacity. Brokers are less likely to take you seriously if you're an outlier. Reading between the lines. Not all listings are created equally, and brokers will sometimes signal issues in the subject business by omitting key information. Clint emphasizes the importance of reading between the lines when considering listings. The absence of certain information, such as an asking price, EBITDA, or reasons for sale, can signal potential issues that may need to be addressed. Buyers should not shy away from asking direct questions to fill in the information gaps. Here are some examples. No asking price on a sub $5 million revenue small business can be code for extremely unrealistic valuation expectations. A listing with sales numbers but no EBITDA, SDE, or cash flow numbers can be code for a distress situation or very low earnings. No listed or obvious reason for the sale can be code for a distressed seller, such as divorce, health, or other issues. And no breakdown of customer concentration in the sim may very well mean that there are significant concentration issues. According to Clint, look for glaring omissions and quickly, bluntly ask the broker for answers. If they're not forthcoming or the answer that you do get is a deal breaker, that's a good thing. It lets you know it's time to move on without further wasting everyone's time. So look for what's not said immediately, and you may avoid a lot of heartache later on. To wrap up, here's your game plan for building successful relationships with brokers. Step one, identify the right brokers. Step two, be clear about your search criteria and demonstrate your ability to seal the deal. Step three, cultivate rapport and respect and step four, engage in smart, targeted searching. 
By adopting these strategies, you can gain brokers' respect and receive priority outreach when attractive new businesses go to market. About the authors. The authors have worked for some of the most elite law firms in the world. During their time in big law, they regularly worked on transactions in the hundreds of millions to billion dollar plus range for some of the most recognizable companies in the world and have extensive experience in M&A transactions. The authors have since begun investing in select SMB transactions and have co-founded an SMB focused law firm where they've collectively worked on and closed hundreds of millions of dollars in small business focused M&A. Now for a few required disclaimers. This course is being presented strictly for educational and informational purposes and not for the purposes of marketing any legal services or seeking legal employment. The opinions stated are those of the authors only and not the opinions of any other person or organization. Nothing in this course from or from otherwise from the authors is legal, financial, tax, investment, or any other form of advice. You must consult your own advisors. The authors are lawyers, but not your lawyers, and no information provided in this course has the effect of forming an attorney-client relationship. And this course is being presented by the SMB Center LLC and has no affiliation or relationship with SMB Law Group LLP. 